Hi everyone, this is Anthony with the Pop Health Show, a show that's all about anyone uh, or catering to anyone that is in this world trying to make more than one person healthy out there in this world. So uh, super excited today to have um, Michelle Chaffee on the call. And um, you know, Michelle, thank you and, and welcome to the show. Michelle is the founder and CEO of Alska as well as the founder and chief advocacy officer for Ally Advocates. So uh, Michelle, thank you for the show. And maybe you can give our listeners your origin story, how you got started and, um, you know, tell us, tell us, uh, tell us your story. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me um, on the show. I have been working in healthcare for about 20 years. So I started my career as a respiratory therapist and have worked in various hospital settings, teaching hospitals, community hospitals. And it was about um, seven years ago, my mother had a very debilitating stroke. And I was frustrated as her primary caregiver, trying to be at the hospital for her, also having you know my own children and family and work. And when I couldn't be at her side, things got missed and I was really frustrated. So that got me thinking about um, advocacy as a profession. So I spent about two years looking for other models that I thought might be out there and really couldn't find anything. So I created uh, my own professional patient advocacy service, primarily worked with adult children with aging parents to start with. And that process um, brought me to develop the platform that is now um, Alska because I was pulling together people's health histories, medical records, insurance cards, and then also trying to keep family and everybody within the care team easily connected and wanted a better way to do it than batch emails and group texts and file folders full of information. So that's primarily the journey on how, how I got to where I am now. I also spent um, had a little kind of side a segue job for about two years as a medical investigator for the attorney general. So there I investigated, um, you know, claims against any of the healthcare professionals. Nice, nice. Well, no, thank you so much for that, that intro and uh, your, your backstory. Uh, Michelle, when it comes to Alska or, you know, some of the other projects you're working on, what are some interesting health trends or you know, even technologies or anything in the space in terms of innovation that have you really excited uh, these days? Well, I mean, I've been pretty much my whole health career, I've seen that there needs to be more focus on the patient. And when I was in school, everybody talked about, you know, patient-driven care and more focus that way. But it's taken a long, long time to really see that shift happen and that's what I'm most passionate about and most excited about is um, trends toward really paying attention to what patients need and what their caregivers need because caregivers have been, um, you know, really under the radar and they're everywhere. You know, almost everybody I talk to has either a personal caregiving story or knows somebody that's struggling with caregiving. And caregivers are integral to optimal outcomes for patients because they're usually the ones, you know, managing appointments and making sure, um, you know, the doctor's instructions are carried out. So I'm excited about all the individualized medicine, you know, people being more engaged and more aware with things like, you know, even understanding more about their personal DNA and, you know, how that can improve treatments. 
Nice, nice. Now that's that's excellent to hear. And um, so, yeah, you know, you touched upon a few interesting concepts that you know keep emerging. Um, you know, personalized uh, information, personalized medicine, and you know how the caregiver can be more enabled by having obviously this information more at their fingertips. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on maybe how these trends or technologies, we either at Alska or previous projects, are converging? Maybe there's a story, uh, a story or two that you can tell on on how this has been, you know, improving someone's life. Well, I mean, I think technologies like, I mean, some of the day to day things that caregivers are doing, they're managing tasks for one thing. You know, they're managing many, you know, medical appointments, depending on the person they're caring for as conditions. Um, they're also having to keep track of medical information, medication lists, because, you know, as we know, there are huge gaps in the healthcare system in the flow of that information. And while, you know, everybody wants there to be a magical, you know, transfer, and I know a lot of people are working on um, you know, improvements on the the portability of that information, I think still people are always going to be involved. So my position has always been that, you know, while technology is wonderful and it solves many problems, really creating the right technology for the people that need to use it is is the best solution right now and in the foreseeable future. No, that's that's excellent, that, and and you know, super great to to hear that you're seeing, you know, that impact, um, you know, occur. Um, Michelle, for some of our listeners that may not be too familiar with the role of a caregiver, um, I guess you know, what is a caregiver? You know, what is a caregiver? What's a day in the in, day in the life like? What was a day in the life like? Um, you know, maybe five years ago for a caregiver, and based on kind of, kind of some of these new processes and trends and maybe, you know, obviously some of the work you're, you're doing at Alska, you know, what's the, how has that day in the life of the caregiver changed? Well, I think, you know, the caregivers have been managing similar things for quite a while. I think it's become a little bit more complex as, you know, other members of the family live geographically um, farther away. So more of the duties fall on usually a primary caregiver and some statistics and things we definitely know about those primary caregivers are um, very often they have no other support. Um, if they do, it's maybe one other person. Um, they all, almost all of them um, also work outside um, their, their caregiving job. They have another job. Oftentimes they also have um, children themselves. They're managing care very often for their own parents and often their in-laws as well, sometimes siblings, sometimes spouses. Um, So, you know, caregivers have been in this role for a long time. And part of the reason that um, they've just kind of been, you know, doing this without a lot of recognition is it seems like a duty. You know, a lot of people just take it on and they don't even identify themselves as caregivers. But we also know from research Something that's really interesting is the fact of simply identifying as I am a caregiver actually empowers caregivers to be more proactive when seeking medical care, asking questions, and things like that. So it's really important, you know, for caregivers to um, 
be acknowledged. And I think that's something that's shifted over the past even three years. And now they have better resources to manage those tasks that they're managing, you know, medical mm-hmm. appointments, meals, um, mm-hmm. you know, bringing no, in this, Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree as well. You know, it does feel that, you know, things are smoothing out between that relationship between the caregiver, the, the caregiver team and the, and the patient. Um, and it, it definitely sounds obviously, uh, through all and you know, you're, you're really working on, um, some, some great tools and, um, processes and systems to, to help, uh, smooth that out even more. Um, Michelle, um, uh, you know, a big topic this year is, the, you know, this concept of, you know, we have this new fee for value shift and obviously, you know, there's been legislation like Affordable Care Act in the past. And um, how, do, how do you look at um, legislation and, and maybe, you know, not by politics aside, of course, how do you look at the landscape? Do you think it's a, a benefit of what's going to happen with, um, you know, you've got macro and backpack and, you know, these pieces of legislation and, you know, what CMS did and this whole fee for value movement. Can you comment a little bit on, on, you know, if what you see happening there is a, is a good thing? Well, I mean, right now, I think it's, it's, things feel really unpredictable in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm really hoping that, you know, more and more people are covered and, and people you know, don't lose their coverage. I think one of the things that's most important is for everybody to be educated on what all of those things mean, you know, and to understand the terms and to be able to get good information and be um, empowered to advocate for themselves and for, you know, their loved ones, because it's, it's, it's pretty complex and um, certainly a shift for, you know, being compensated on, um, you know, the, the service and the outcomes for the patients is far better than what's been happening, you know, in the past, where when I worked for the attorney general, I saw, you know, and investigated um, situations where, you know, physicians were seeing maybe 30, 40 patients a day and spending very, very little time with them. And there really isn't an incentive to spend more time or provide better care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's excellent. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm very optimistic. I think that things will, um, you know, work out for the best in terms of coverage and, you know, staying and moving more towards value base. But, uh, but yeah, you know, there's still definitely some unpredictability. Um, Michelle, you know, one question I ask a lot of our uh, guests on, on the show, um, obviously we're in the space of health and uh, we've gotten some interesting um, perspectives of like, uh, personal health. And, you know, one question I sometimes ask is what is the first 60 minutes of your day look like? You know, obviously, you know, you're thinking health all the time, but just curious if you can elaborate on, you know, maybe some morning rituals that you really enjoy. Um, and, uh, I know our listeners always love kind of hearing, you know, health professionals, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what their, their regimen is like. Uh, Well, it's actually shifted quite a bit um, (laughs) since uh, a little over a year ago, I was was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm. And as a, you know, tech founder, I'm so busy that before my diagnosis, you know, even though I certainly know how important it is to take care of myself and I've always exercised and, you know, ate well, 
um, I, I wasn't as good at, you know, doing those kinds of things. Typically I would get up first thing in the morning, check my emails and kind of dive right into work. But, um, the, the cancer diagnosis was, was really a wake up call for me and a push to say, you know, I have to make my health a priority. So now, um, probably my first 60 minutes, I, you know, I get up really, really early. I get up at about four 30, um, in the morning, I watch a little bit of news and then I do, um, a 20 to 30 minute meditation and eat some breakfast and I go work out. That's the, the very first thing that I do, because I know if I don't get it done in the beginning of the day, it's harder for me, you know, later in the day to, you know, have the motivation to do that. And I have to make it a priority. Wow. Wow. No, yeah, Michelle, I did not know that. So um, that's, thank you for sharing your story and, you know, your personal, you know, uh, condition. Um, How has having, you know, diagnosed with ovarian cancer affected your perspective of, of running your company? I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, does it, has it enlightened certain elements of the business and giving you a different perspective? If, If so, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, created, um, the product and, you know, being an advocate to help other people and my whole life, I mean, I was, I've never been sick. I tell people I literally never had a cavity. So I was always in the position of, you know, helping other people and, um, you know, creating solutions. And so to be on the other side and actually, you know, set up, an OSCA portal for myself and my husband, who was then in the role of caregiver, um, gave me a completely different perspective. And I felt like I had a good understanding working in hospital systems for so long. Um, But actually being a patient, walking through the healthcare system, you know, surgeries and all of that gave me a very, very different perspective as a patient. Oh, sorry, Michelle. I th- might have lost you for a second there. Um, yeah, but no, um, no, this is good. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the uh, for our listeners our per- the perspective. Yeah, because you know we hear a lot of people, um, you know, historically, you know, there's obviously you mentioned your reason for you know getting into this space and why you're so passionate about it, but it's almost like this um, this experience that you're going through has also allowed you to focus and and home in on at a deeper level. So that's that, you know, there's a, there's obviously a blessing in disguise there that obviously a lot of your customers and, and users will benefit from by having that intricate knowledge um, just because you're bringing that through, through it out uh, from a personal perspective. Um, Michelle, you heard, you said earlier, you, you wake up at four thirty in the morning, right? <laughs> Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, I do. I get up at, um, at four thirty. I'm sorry, it broke up for a second there. Oh, yes, yeah, 4.30 is when I get up. Wow. And so to, to wake up at 4.30, um, this is a big phenomenon that a lot of people are starting to do, especially business owners. I can attest to uh, it's a goal that I always strive for as well. What's the one or two tips and benefits that for our listeners that to, to encourage them on you know, maybe waking up at 4.30? What, what's a secret tip or two um, to, to oh. do it right? You know, actually, I I have a technology tip. I have 
um, the ability to set, you know, kind of an alert on my phone to remind me, you know, to, to go to sleep. And then it automatically is set um, for the time I wake up. And it seems kind of silly or like you wouldn't need it. But there are times I'm so busy doing something and, you know, it's just that little alert that says, you know, time to go to bed. And it does remind me, oh, okay, I need to kind of wrap things up to, you know, at least get, you know, seven hours of sleep. And for me, it's just so nice to have really quiet time in the morning to get those things done before everybody else is up and, um, you know, I'm diving into everything else. Yeah, no, Michelle, I can, I can relate. So the times I do get up at 4.30, I try and do it at least two to three times a week. Um, and just to echo, yeah, I find like it's almost like this whole mini pocket dimension of time that didn't exist. And uh, you can get just so much accomplished before eight o'clock. And, uh, you know, I can relate. Obviously, I run my own, you know, uh, health tech company as well. You've got so many things going on. It just seems like eight to five these days is regarded for, you know, mortals to uh, just do meetings, you know, and, and you need time to do work, you know, and admin stuff, uh, but, uh, you know, I can just attest to that from my perspective. And yeah, I, I find, you know, if I go to bed after 830, um, it makes it a little bit more difficult, you know, to wake up at, at 430. Um, but uh, no, this is great, Michelle. I appreciate you sharing, you know, your tips and, um, you know, here to, to, to do that more. Uh, Michelle, you know, one question we always kind of end off with um, on the show is more of um a, you know, a belief related question in regards to health. So, you know, what is something that you believe to be true that other people believe to be insane or said another way, you know, what's something that you believe to be true that has not yet been proven yet? Um, I, I believe, and I kind of have to um, state this often that uh, healthcare consumers will be engaged in their health if they're given the right um, tools and education so they're empowered. Uh, since I really even created, um, you know, ALSCA, people would tell me, you know, people just won't engage. People won't put in their information. You have to incentivize them or use gamification or different things like that. And I kept saying, you know, no, people are doing this on like scraps of paper and, you know, workarounds right now, they will use something if it works for them and it's created for them, not for the healthcare system. And, and I found that to be true. I think healthcare consumers are more savvy than people give them credit for, and they're hungry for information. And, you know, they want to feel empowered. They want to feel like they're, you know, able to do a good job. They want to know more about um, their disease process and what their options are, you know, in looking for care. I always tell people, you know, first of all, what's your healthcare philosophy? And most of the time people look at me like I'm crazy because it's not something they think about. But I think starting there and thinking about, okay, what are my um, opinions on, you know, holistic um, health? Where does nutrition fit in? Um, what do I feel about, you know, medications or, um, you know, traditional Western medicine, really thinking about those things and then choosing a care team um, that aligns with your philosophy. So that's shifting things um, to a more patient centric model. And I think people are receptive to that. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, Michelle, I, I totally agree. That's a, that's a great perspective on the, you know, the consumer centric um, approach of healthcare of where, where we're going and we're almost where we're at right now. I mean, obviously we're making a lot of progress in the heading in this direction. Um, Michelle, this was, this was great. Again, we, we keep these, uh, you know, episodes kind of quick, you know, punchy um, to the point where our listeners can take away, you know, two to three, um, you know, action items or best practices that they can potentially apply. Um, Michelle, what's a good way for people to interact with you online or potentially even get in contact with you uh, directly if, if you would like to, um, to mention? Um, they can email me at Michelle at Alska.com. That's A-L-S-K-A dot com. And also I, I post articles on healthcare topics pretty regularly on on LinkedIn. So people can easily find me and read, you know, some of the things that I write and um, message me there as well. Great, great. Well, uh, Michelle, thank you so much. This was powerful. Thank you for sharing your story, your background, um, the work you're doing, and congratulations on all the success on what you're doing with Alska and your other projects and, um, you know, for making a difference. This is, this is really great what you're doing. So I appreciate it. Um, Michelle, thank you so much. And to our listeners out there, again, this is the, uh, the Pop Health Show. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk soon again. Thanks.